We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports shoutcasters and hosts. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. It's all the information for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Matt, known as Life with Panda. Panda is a professional Fortnite analyst and caster. He's the official analyst for the Fortnite competitive scene, as well as the co-host of the Fortnite podcast with co-host Monster Deface. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, man, I'm excited to be on. We had a a, a good conversation at a, an in person event, which we'll talk more about later. But uh, definitely was excited when you, when you hit me up to join up on the podcast. I'm I'm definitely um, a big fan. As soon as you mentioned it, I did some research, right? Started listening to some episodes, and you do a good job. So I'm excited to be a part of it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it's always hard to tell, but you know, I I try to do the best I can, come prepared, <laughs> and you know. Like you said, we we have an enjoyable conversation. So, you know, to kind of start things off, tell us about your past esports and gaming experience. What was the first game you played and how'd you kind of get involved into the esports scene? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, um, I, I've been, uh, I don't want to say in the gaming space my entire life, but as far as gaming experience, like I've been gaming since I was a kid. It was a huge part of who I was when I was young. Um, I was like, I didn't care about going outside. I didn't care about sports much. Um, I really was all about gaming. And I mean, literally, I had the PlayStation 1, the N64, I had the Xbox, and I basically had every evolution of gaming console since, except the PlayStation 5. I haven't been able to find one of those yet. But, um, and it really all started for me uh, with, believe it or not, Pong. My grandpa pulled out uh, the Atari because he bought it brand new when those things came out. And he used to, when I was like five years old, he'd wheel out the TV cart with Atari on it and we would play Pong. So that was like the first game I ever played. But the ever like the first um, game that I played that was like my console was Halo on the Xbox, the first Halo Combat Evolved. So that was like the first game that I ever played through completely. And that's kind of that experience there. Uh, and then how I got involved in esports is actually kind of a funny story. So in 2018, I had a great opportunity in corporate real estate to move from Florida up to New Jersey. And uh, again, mind you, gaming has been a huge part of my life uh, for as long as, as I can remember. And so I got up there and my wife, my now wife, then fiance, 
used to love watch watching myself and, and our friends play games together. So it was actually Fortnite at the time was the game of choice and and still is to this day, believe it or not. Uh, and we used to play Fortnite uh, basically religiously. I don't think there was a day at that time that we ever missed playing Fortnite together. It was myself and the boys always getting on and playing the game. So my wife loved to watch. And so when I moved to New Jersey, she wasn't able to watch, right? And so on top of that, I was just starting to understand like the esports scene, like Ninja at this time was starting to blow up and Twitch streaming was blowing up. So I started to learn more about that. And so I, uh, I took a step back and was like, okay, well, if Ninja can stream, right? What, like, how hard is this? Can I just try to, to put a stream on? Like, what does it take, et cetera? So I decided to, to invest a little bit of the, the newly earned money that I was making because I, I got a huge pay increase coming from Florida, New Jersey, and decided to start up a stream. So I started streaming solely so my wife, Emily, could watch us play video games. And then all of a sudden, it was kind of crazy. It just uh, evolved. So it evolved into um, I started to build a community un unexpectedly. And I, again, I was in a position where I was making more money than I ever had in my life. And I was like, you know what? I would like to give back to this community. So I would do giveaways and stuff for the people that were were there. Like I, I gave away the the Ninja Air 58 final mouses. I gave away monitors, PCs, etc. And um, I would do that for for short bursts of time, and then I would disappear. Like I just wouldn't stream. So streaming was not like at that time was not like a priority for me. And I would do I did that a few times until 2020 when um, COVID hit, and so. Uh, it was April, March or April of 2020, decided to to boot the stream back up. And a buddy of mine was like, let's do an FNCS watch party. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And so we started the stream. We're, we're doing the watch party like 10 minutes in. I'm like, hey, you know what? If I get 10 subs, <clears throat> if I get 10 subs here, we can go ahead and come back to streaming for a little bit. If I get 30 subs, I'll give away a PC. And I hit like 40 subs within 45 minutes. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm back. And something about this time coming back felt different than the previous times that I'd been on stream. So I was like, you know what? Let me, let me take this a little bit more seriously. So the first thing I did was I hit up an editor, a, a guy by the name of Brave at the time, now Nikki Movement, who runs all of Movement Digital. Um, and, and he had open commissions. So I hit him up and I was like, hey, I want to to create content and I kind of need some direction and, and some assistance here. What do you think I should do? And so Nikki hits, he's like, he hits me with everything that I need. He's like, you need an editor. We'll set you up with this, 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 this is the content you need to push. This is the way you need to do it, blah, blah, blah. So mind you, I'm still working full-time corporate real estate and doing this at night. So literally my day was 8 a.m. I'm working eight to five. I literally from five to six, I changed my clothes. And do what I got to do. And remind you, it's, re it's all remote because it was COVID times. So I'm doing all that. And then 6 to 10 p.m. at night, I'm streaming every night and creating content. So I do this for a couple months. And, and Nikki, who happened to be connected with Monster D-Face, 
he kind of he hits me up and he's like, hey, uh, I know you're doing a VOD review today. A monster D face might stop by. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like that would be amazing, right? And so sure enough, he showed up in my stream and it connected Monster and I. That was the first time we connected. And so from there, I started to be more involved in Monster's community. And we had talked a little bit behind the scenes, how like I eventually wanted to become a caster. Like it was something I had enjoyed since the World Cup days. Um, and and I just didn't know how to do it, right? And so from there, uh, Monster ended up uh, connecting me with his production company and ended up giving me my first opportunity as a caster. And this was after I had joined the podcast and, and, and done some other stuff with him. And so he gave me the first opportunity as a caster and the rest is kind of history. Amazing. So there's a lot to break down there. Well, you know, I guess, <laughs> you know, first we'll say kudos to the wife on pushing you out of your shell so that you can, you know, stream and watch her and clearly it put you down on this new trajectory and path. So how'd you kind of first get into commentating and casting? Why'd you, I know you kind of started to allude to it or some of the first stuff you did. Why'd you decide you wanted to get into it in the first place? Well, so I kind of alluded to it, but I went to the Fortnite World Cup in 2019. Ironically, sat next to Skeptic's family. Um, and so I had watched what they were doing. And, and I liked the game, don't get me wrong, but I knew that I could never be involved at a professional level playing the game. So the next thing for me was, was casting. And, and naturally for me, it was kind of a, a better fit anyway. Because when I worked at Disney in the past, I I was like hosting these training classes on a regular basis, whether it was 20, 30 people to like 100 people. And so I was comfortable speaking in front of people, speaking in front of a camera. And it kind of it kind of felt like a really solid fit for me. But at the time, again, I had no clue. It was 2019. I knew nothing about gaming other than I played Fortnite. And I had played games all my life. so it then turns into this, this opportunity that monster D face gives me, like I mentioned before. And so I got two shows in 2020, right towards the end of 2020. So it was October, um, 2020. I did a show for nerd street gamers, or I actually did two shows for them. Let me correct that. And then I did a show for the Atlantis scrim discord. And so I did these shows I was I was feeling great. I felt like, you know what, I did good. I knew what I needed to work on and where I needed to improve. And then I went into 2021 thinking, you know what, this is my year. I'm going to put my all into it. And I'm going to focus on it. First two, three months come by and I don't get a single show, which is kind of a, a regular occurrence in the space because from December to like February, usually there's not too much going on. So once you hit that February, March time, things start to pick up and some opportunities came my way to, to continue to kind of craft uh, what I was doing in casting. So I took every opportunity I could. Didn't matter what it paid, what the opportunity entailed. I wanted to improve. So I took everything. And so from there to, to May, I had done probably 15 shows. And so I felt really, really solid at that point. And, and so at the same time, I get hit the first week of May, I think, uh, with a message from the job that I had. And they're like, hey, we 
we need you to come back to work. We need you to no longer be remote and come back to the office. And I took a step back and I was like, if I go back to the office, I'm going to have these late nights. I'm going to be there till like eight o'clock or not get home until eight o'clock. I'm not going to be able to stream the same way. I'm not going to be able to take casting opportunities the same way. And so I had to weigh the options, right? And on top of that, it was still like peak COVID times. So I didn't feel fully safe going back. Uh, but either way, I said, you know what? I'm going to take a risk here. I'm going to step away from this, this career that I had built the last 10 years. And I'm going to focus solely on creating content and casting. Now, mind you, at this time, I didn't have any kind of regular shows or, or I wasn't a part of like any huge broadcasts. I just had done third, uh, third-party broadcasts. So I took this risk. I had enough money in my bank account to last three months without having to worry uh, about getting another job. So I said, look, I'm going to wait two months because I knew I had that extra month of cushion. I'm going to wait three months, sit here, uh, take this opportunity. And if it doesn't work out, I know I can get a job in the field that I was doing because I was proficient in it. And I already had people at that time hunting me because I had listed that I was no longer with this company. So I knew if I needed to, I could just get back into work and, and do what I got to do. Well, first month passes by, I pick up another four or five shows in that month doing good. The next month passes by and I get a message from DreamHack and they're like, hey, we want to bring you on. Now, for those at home that don't know, DreamHack is one of the larger companies that host these major events, especially associated with Fortnite. So DreamHack brings me in. They give me the opportunity to do the show and I actually get to cast with Monster D-Face. So it was, it was Kelly Link, myself and Monster. We do the show and Kelly and some of the people behind the scenes were just, they were surprised at our chemistry and, and what we were able to, to bring to the screen. And so within three days after that, because FNCS was coming up in August, I get a message from Epic and they're like, hey, we want to bring you on as an analyst for the West region. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Sign me up. Like <laughs> this was the sign that I needed. Right. Cause like I said, it was a three month stint. I gave myself those three months to try and, and make something happen. And here was me making that happen. And so the rest has kind of been history. I got to do FNCS in August. Uh, I've done every FNCS since then. And so I, I got to be a part of some great events there. I got to be a part of big events with DreamHack. I've gotten even more third-party events that I've done. And so it, it's kind of become this consistent, reliable career that between you and me, and obviously your podcast audience, I, I've been able to uh, make more than I even was in corporate real estate. So it's super exciting to be able to to kind of balance that and do that in something that I'm as passionate about as I am esports. So, you know, a lot to unpack there. And it just kind of really shows you sometimes you have to gamble on yourself and, you know, take that risk. And I think there are a lot of stories. The first one that comes to my mind is, you know, Michael Jordan betting on Nike and, you know, his agent structuring the deal that no one else would offer him. And, you know, look at what he is now. So yeah. how did it feel when you, you know, were reached out to by DreamHack to do the event and then later by Epic Games to kind of come to like the pinnacle of, you know, Fortnite competitive esports? 
It was incredible. So normally anytime something happened, like I got a show or anything, the first people I told was my friend group, right? I would hit them up in our, in our message uh, group and my wife, of course, and, uh, and I would share it with them. But when I got DreamHack and even FNCS, I didn't tell them. I wanted them to, to, to like feel what I was feeling when I got to announce it. So uh, it was it was incredible. Like I, I, it's it's hard to match what that feeling is like, especially when you take a huge bet on yourself, like I did, because you don't know if it's going to pan out, right? Obviously, you have contingencies, you have backup plans, but you don't know if it's going to work out. And and that feeling when I did get those opportunities, it was just it it was something special, and, and I'm so thankful for those opportunities that that have been given to me and being able to continue to do it here going into the new year and so uh, that's probably the best way to to explain it is just it, it's really unmatched there's nothing that i've experienced in life that that quite felt the same way as taking this gamble and then it paying off in the way that it did amazing so what's so unique about casting you know working as an analyst for fortnite Hmm. Unique. So obviously Fortnite in itself is a very unique game and, and getting the opportunity to cast and, and analyze this gameplay is different, right? It's different than any other game, especially because we're in a remote setting and we continue to be in a remote setting. Uh, it's, it's different, right? The esports or the traditional esports route that we knew from casters were like LCS, which is League of Legends. You had the, the CDL, which is Call of Duty. And so on. And you knew these in-person events and you knew the way that these lands work. But now we're all remote. So on so number one, remote is obviously has its own challenges and things that that um make it interesting. But Fortnite specifically is probably the most unique game to break down because when you're a traditional caster, you have roles. So you do either play by play or you're an analyst. You're, you're, you kind of add that color commentary. Like there's different roles to what you do and you kind of define that ahead of going into a broadcast. Whereas in Fortnite, you can't really do that because there's so much going on consistently. So you both kind of like when you're casting, it's usually two people. You, you both kind of have to have that understanding of, okay, at times I'm going to be an analyst. At times I'm going to be a caster. I'm going to do play by play. Like you're going to do everything. There's no kind of limit to what you're going to be presenting. On the, on the flip side of that, even on the main broadcast, right, we are analysts. Like, we are defined as analysts, and they try to separate it as much as possible. But when you're a caster, you're still there analyzing different things and, and breaking down and giving facts about stuff. Like, Fortnite is probably the most unique esport there is. And that's what makes it so exciting to be a part of. And it's funny because people talk about it all the time. They talk about how World Cup was kind of a peak moment for Fortnite. But honestly, I think that peak hasn't been hit yet. And and it's going to be crazy when it does. So what makes it so exciting for a viewer, the whole kind of building mechanic and how that fits in? Well, I think it's a, it's a multitude of things. I think um, for from a viewer standpoint, getting to watch uh, these creators or these pro players, I should say, that you've connected with and watch them up on the big screen is is obviously that that feeling you get from any esport, right? But on top of that, there's nonstop action taking place in Fortnite. It's pretty much literally just going and going. And in those final moments of a game, 
that's where the peak level of excitement comes from because you have 20, 30 of your favorite pro players on top uh, of each other just trying to, to clamor their way into the zone and, and survive there into the final moments and get as many points as they can and get as many eliminations as they can. And so I think that's what makes it more so exciting is that it's so easy to connect with them. And it's not like your traditional esports where you're rooting for a team of five. No, you could have 20, 30, 40 players that you're interested in, you're excited to watch, and they're all competing against each other in that game. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's definitely, you know, what a lot of these battle royales kind of come down to. And the real excitement is kind of the end of it when it's like you have the final players and there's not really anywhere to go or hide. And it's who can be most precise and who can kind of use their skill and strategy and execute in the best way. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think it's, uh, like I said, it's unique. And, and it's funny because you got games like League of Legends, and we kind of mentioned it before, where it's it's very analytical like when you're a player you have to understand that every micro decision you make within the game affects the overall outcome always whereas in fortnite it's different but it's also more complicated every build every edit every decision you make it 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 affects the game in a certain way but it's not necessarily as analytical like you the skill gap is much higher i think in fortnite than most if not all games right now but at the same time, it doesn't take as much analytical knowledge of the game to be able to accomplish what you do. Interesting. I think that's a really kind of dichotomy where it's like you can't just watch VODs and practice all of these different rotations and kind of know what you're supposed to know. It's like you do that, but then there's just kind of the on-the-fly instincts. Yeah, 100%. There's just no, there's no certainty in a game of Fortnite, right? Everything is RNG. Whether you get the weapons that you need, you get the loadout that you need, you get the zones that you need to be successful, um, finding like easy ways to rotate throughout. Like you can you can plan as much as you can ahead of time, but in Fortnite, it really isn't much. Awesome. So, are you interested in you know casting or working in any other games? Yeah, absolutely. Like if the opportunities came, I would definitely be open to to any of those opportunities but fortnite is my number one fortnite is is my priority it's what i love to do Uh, fortnite has been a game that i've been passionate about since it came out so i couldn't truly see myself separating from fortnite ever um but if if i had to to say another game that i would be interested in casting it'd definitely be halo because of my my grassroots and my upbringing and how connected i was to halo as a game like i literally played halo as a kid more than any other game period well you know i guess that's definitely a good one especially in light of what's going on that's definitely one of probably the hottest esports going on right now i would say yeah i definitely agree and it's funny because i actually just moved to the raleigh north carolina area so it's kind of it's kind of nice uh being close to like what was the epicenter of the first first hcs event here but uh, you never know. You never know what the future holds. But in reality, again, Fortnite is my number one. Absolutely. So I know we touched on it a little bit before, but tell us a little about the Fortnite podcast. What is it? You know, Why would you start? And what are some of the typical things that you discuss on the show? Yeah, absolutely. So the Fortnite podcast is a podcast that was started by Too Loud um, back in the early days of Fortnite. And then 
he actually he actually had, I believe had a different co-host or maybe he did it by himself and then he brought Monster D-Face on as a guest and then brought him into the circulation and then Too Loud actually split off to go do more Valorant focused stuff and and Monster then gave me the opportunity to come in jump in as a co-host and so the Fortnite podcast is all about breaking down and bringing the latest news in in both the esports side of Fortnite but also the casual the casual side of it as well. So we we give our takes and, and our updates on the game and what we think is going to happen. But then we also talk about like the competitive news and drama and stuff like that. Awesome. So do you enjoy kind of acting as a podcast or kind of being in this different role that's not necessarily kind of, you know, reporting on live competitions? Oh, dude, I love it, man. Podcasts are, are so enjoyable to me. Um, I, I, I'm the kind of person that it, you could tell me, uh, Hey, hop on my podcast and and I'll do it. I mean, you could literally tell me that the podcast is about a game I've never played before, but I'll, I'll be happy to come try and talk about it for for thirty minutes to an hour because podcasts are something that have always been kind of special to me, and it's a different way to connect with a different audience because a lot of times, like people, they they create content like YouTube videos, for example, to to nature to the player into that one person that all they do is they they watch YouTube videos, right? But podcasts reach a totally different audience. And it's kind of a, a more intimate way to connect with the audience that you've built to, in my opinion. Because obviously, you could talk a little bit more freely. You're not as structured in a podcast. You can you could talk about like what's going on. You could talk about what's going on in your life, what's going on in esports. Whereas like a YouTube video, for example, even if it's a news YouTube video, you're cranking out topics and trying to keep it within like an eight to 10 minute time frame. Interesting. I think that's, you know, kind of a really unique take on it that it's like, yeah, like you could kind of go on a little bit more. I think that's kind of how I feel about, you know, lecturing versus recording content. It's like, you can be a little bit more long winded. You can go into more detail. It doesn't have to be like, okay, it has to be this many words and I have to kind of pre-write it so that I don't waste too much time on the, you know, the copy. Yeah, exactly. It, it's again, it's it's unique in the sense that it, it it's it's a different audience. I'm not saying it's the same people that you're reaching, and and there probably is some crossover, right? Like some people will watch your YouTube videos and also listen to a podcast. But when you record an hour long podcast, naturally it's going to go to the people that have an hour to spend listening to it, and and with no, especially with with audio only podcasts, they could throw that up in the background and, and play their games or warm up for a game. Or they could be driving somewhere and they could throw the podcast on. Like, there's so much more opportunity to consume a podcast as content versus a YouTube video as content. And I think that's what makes it that much more exciting to be a part of it. Awesome. I think, you know, so what's the future of the podcast? The future? Um, good question. Uh, I, I would love to say that we we plan on doing some big things here. We've, we've talked about a few things behind the scenes uh, coming in 2022, but... But right now, we're going to stick to the content. We actually have been kind of uh, including a third person pretty regularly named Somebody's Gun. Uh, you actually got the opportunity to meet him. He was at the um, esports event uh, that we were at. And so he's been kind of a, a not necessarily an ongoing figure on the podcast, but like a, a guest here in the last couple episodes. And, and so we've been throwing him into the rotation, having him apart. And, and it brings a, a, a third perspective that both Monster and I may not be able to hit. 
Definitely. And, you know, that's actually the perfect bridge to our next question. So you were actually just, you know, a special guest caster at the Garden State Esports Championship at Rutgers University. And for those unfamiliar, this was an esports competition for high school and middle school students in New Jersey. So how was that? You know, what was the experience like? How was it working with, you know, the non-professional competitive scene? You know, as far as events go, this is the first like in-person event that I had been a part of at, from a caster analyst standpoint. So while I know there's like way more things that go into like uh, more mainstream events, this event was pretty well put together, in my opinion. Uh, it, they did a very good job of bringing people together from the community and giving them an opportunity that was unique in nature. And, and when I say unique, I mean like most of these kids they they didn't they've never had an opportunity to be on a stage and to have their gameplay casted over by by casters that that understand the games like Rocket League like Fortnite because we did both those games at the event and so it was exciting for them i i got to connect with some of the players there and and they were so grateful for the opportunity which is nice to see especially from a younger audience because there's a lot of resources that go into an event like that. So it makes it definitely tough to put together. Awesome. So what was it like, you know, you mentioned you're very, you had to do rocket league in addition to Fortnite. So what was it like, you know, casting rocket league and kind of maybe going out of your comfort zone? Yeah. And I'll say this, my, my knowledge on rocket league is pretty minimal. However, when you're a caster and you know how to uh, just talk, <laughs> this is the best way to put it. When you know how to talk and build excitement and build a storyline around what's going on on a screen it doesn't matter what game you're in it, it, it it's fun and it's exciting and i think rocket league as an esport is one of the more exciting ones so it was really cool to be a part of it number one and number two i hope rocket league steps up and does some big things here in the new year definitely i'm definitely gung-ho especially in the you know the middle school and college and high school these more academic driven kind of competitive circuits just because it's not a violent game so it's a lot easier for some of these officials to get behind. Yeah. So what and, do you and, like? And I was actually going to ask you a question. All right. So, so rocket league is one of the esports that's connected to play versus what do you think of play versus um, coming out of the college scene and only focusing on the high school scene? I mean, I don't usually answer specific questions on my podcast. However, <laughs> I, I do think that, you know, if you Google play versus in high school, you will get a very mixed response from the individuals that are actually working with them. So, you know, my understanding is that that's the reason certain organizations like the Garden State Esports um, were created in order to kind of act as maybe a nonprofit way to approach Scholastic Esports. So, you know, I think it's one of these things that, you know, there's so many high schools and there's so many colleges that it might just be nearly impossible to, adequately service all of them at the same time and you know might not have the resources to be in both worlds so you kind of have to almost pick one and you know realistically the collegiate scene is probably a lot more um competitive than the high school scene is there's probably a lot more people vying for it as we see you know efus buying a few established entities and just you know csl Nace coming together to make the nice star league and then yeah. Kespa was, you know, owned by blizzard and they kind of reinvented that whole thing to create separate collegiate leagues for all their different titles. So 
it's just a lot more of a crowded space. So it might be just, you know, solely an operational expense where it's like we have two staffs trying to do this or we have one staff trying to do both worlds. It's just, you know, might not be practical. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. So thank you. I'll take my my one question after all the questions you got to ask me. <laughs> well, good. We got some more questions to bring this towards the end. So what do you like most about casting and commentating? What do I like most? Um, I, I will say this. Uh, casting and commentating, the thing I like most is is being able to connect through a camera, which is it's weird, right? Most people don't necessarily feel comfortable in front of a camera. But because of my background... I love public speaking. I love talking. I love being able, again, I kind of talked about it even with podcasts, right? I love being able to connect in a different and unique way. And I always feel like if I can make an impact with the words that I share, why not take the opportunity, take the time and share those words in a platform? So casting, commentating, bringing my energy to that is exciting and unique because you know what? Maybe I can inspire somebody else that to step up to the plate and want to become a caster, a commentator. Or maybe even behind the scenes, I can help somebody do stuff like that. So what tips do you have for, you know, aspiring cast or someone who's trying to kind of embark on a professional career, or even just kind of get started to see if they like it? My biggest advice is to do it. And and when I say do it, I mean literally pull up gameplay, watch it play out, and talk over it. Now, obviously, there's more advanced tips like you can just study what other casters do, etc., but until you just start doing it and start talking over gameplay, there, you're just not going to get to that point where, where you feel comfortable doing it. So my, my advice, even if you don't have an audience, flip on a camera, flip on a stream, tweet it out to your friends even, or, and just message your friends, say, hey, come watch me do this and start doing it. Because until you get through that and get through that, that public speaking aspect of it, or once you get through it, I should say, everything else comes easier. Interesting. I think that's great advice. And it's similar to kind of what I always say. You know, as Nike says, just do it. It's like if you want to do something, you have to do it. And nobody was, you know, superstar level the first day they ever did anything. So it makes sense that you need to, you know, practice and, you know, but you have to start somewhere. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So that's what it comes down to. Again, like there's more advanced stuff that you can do. You can you can study what other casters do, like sport. When it comes to Fortnite specifically, uh, I use Shia Wager as a huge um, influence in the way that I cast. Right, I, I've watched a lot of his gameplay or his uh, casting over gameplay, and I took tips from that because his wordplay specifically is so unique in the space. And then obviously, when you have a mentor like Monster D Face to help you critique things that I'm actually doing it, it, it that's what you need you find yourself number one studying tape studying gameplay and number two try to get yourself a mentor a lot of these people in the scene they're they're open to helping and so that's why I was fortunate enough to get to where I'm at now so definitely seek a mentor whether it's through their twitch streams through their content etc find a way to connect with with a caster that'll help you and for me, if you're out there listening and you want to learn more about becoming a caster, feel free to message me on Twitter. Right. I mean, I think that's kind of, you know, one of these other amazing 
kind of advice for the industries like this is, you know, you have to network. And if you come to people correctly and respectfully, most of the time they're willing to help you. They want other mm-hmm. people su- to succeed. And, you know, as you mentioned, there have been other people in your life that have helped you on your path. And it's a way for you to kind of almost pay it forward to those who, you know, paved the path for you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was less than 100 followers when I, when I got followed by Monster D Face and started talking to him and started getting advice and, and everything else from him. So, I mean, literally less than 100 followers. It shows that when it comes to person-to-person contact, the numbers don't really matter. Now, obviously, if you're trying to get brand deals, that's, that's a totally different thing, and numbers do matter a lot more. But in, in connecting and networking with people, most of the time, it, it's not about the numbers. It's about the genuine conversation and support that goes both ways. Exactly. So what does the future hold for your career? Future, man. You know, that's been a big question, especially going into 2022 with uh, with what's been going on in, in, in the world and, and, and land slowly becoming a thing. For me, I just want to be a part of a major broadcast in 2022 that's in person. The first like really big return to the space that that's number one for so me. Fortnite World Cup 2022. What do we think? Ah, man, I hope. Uh, obviously, with with the way that COVID is right now, you never you don't know. And, and of course, Fortnite hasn't announced anything or said anything about what's going to happen. But I just I, I hope, man, I hope that that returns someday. Whether it's this year, next year, I hope it comes back. That's number one. Number two, I'm I'm going to be elevating the content that I do. And now that I'm I am where I am, I'm building out an entire studio to do that. I've got some creative content ideas, so I want to. I definitely want to elevate content in 2022. And it's funny because a lot of people are like, oh, my goal is to hit 10,000 subs. My goal is to get this many followers, et cetera, right? For me, my goal is to be the best caster and commentator that I can be, the best analyst that I can be, and then create the best content that I can. If I do both those things correctly, that stuff will come naturally, but I'm not sitting here trying to make that a priority, if that makes sense. Exactly. I mean, I think that's like, you know, we'll we'll hit it as the last advice, you know, amazing advice to bring is like, that's the way you have to do it. Because if you're just trying to do it for numbers, you're trying to copy the way other people do it and just trying to do giveaways that artificially inflate things that don't necessarily truly build a following based on you and what you're doing, it only ends up being an issue later. It doesn't really translate to anything quantifiable and it doesn't really help you grow as much as you think it does. Yeah, I 100% agree. So that's my biggest advice, I think, to anybody, right, in that wants to get into the space, like you want to do something in esports and or you want to grow a brand and, and create a, a streaming brand for yourself, just go out and do it and do it to the best of your ability. Don't don't just sit here and and do it with a bunch of goals in mind, right? Like I, when I started streaming and, and I even started growing in 2020, I turned off donations. I, I didn't want them. Right. And I didn't want that to be a big part of like who I was. I never asked for subs. I, like you should never, you should never have that stuff at the forefront of your mind. You should always be focused on creating the best content that you can and putting that content on, on as many platforms as you can and letting the success come to you. Because if you're doing all those things and you're not worried about the numbers and and you're, again, genuinely creating the best content that you can, that stuff will happen. 
Absolutely. So everyone out there, definitely, you know, listen to what Panda has to say because I think he's right on the money. So I have a bonus question here as a self-proclaimed Pokemon guru. Who's your favorite <laughs> Pokemon? Uh, it's Lugia. So um, when I was a kid, I was big into the Pokemon card, uh, like the TCG. And so being into the card game, um, I opened a lot of packs when I was young. And I, the first major pool, the first big holographic pool that like was now worth a lot more money, but was the Lugia. And I actually have that card on my desk. Not the exact one that I pulled as a kid, but I went out and bought one since then to kind of have that near me because, again, it's my favorite Pokemon. Uh, it has a pretty big impact in, in the way that I connected with Pokemon when I was younger. And I still remember to this day how I felt and I pulled that Lugia card and how excited I was as a kid. And uh, it even brings me serotonin just thinking about it. Awesome. So, you know, I like to end each episode with my three questions. So what's your favorite game to watch? Favorite game? Are you talking about like like eSport wise? Yeah, yeah, anything, you know, watch when um, just, you know, eSport. I'm sure Fortnite, but, you know, even when you're just kicking back watching Twitch. Yeah, I, I do really enjoy watching um, Fortnite, especially recently. We've had like Ninja, um, Courage JD, uh, Cypher PK, and even like T-Pain playing all together. So that content has been great. I also really do like Halo Infinite and the content that they've been able to create, especially from a competitive standpoint. I think that's really cool. Um, and then another creator he doesn't really play too many games, but another creator that I've been paying a lot of attention to closely, and it's going to kind of inspire what I do in 2022 is Ludwig. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was pretty big on Twitch and just recently moved over to YouTube. And when he made that move over to YouTube, I started paying a little bit more attention to what he was doing and some of his ideas and, and what he puts out like to the, to the masses is really exciting to watch. So it's kind of been a, a personal inspira- uh, inspiration here going into 2022. Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely familiar with him in that move. So, you know, what's your favorite game to play? Favorite game to play right now um, is definitely Halo Infinite, 100%. I've been addicted. I feel like a kid again playing Halo. Um, but, of course, I'm still split there with Fortnite. So, while Halo Infinite has a spe- like has the top spot right now, Fortnite is right there. Awesome. So who's your favorite video game character? You know, we'll go with non-Pokemon edition. Okay. Non-Pokemon favorite game character would have to be. I mean, I'll be honest. It probably is Master Chief. Okay. I mean, that, that's a great Halo. one. You know, yeah, like Master Chief or Sora from Kingdom Hearts. Like it's one of those two for sure. Okay. Well, you know, I think both of those are you know, admirable choices. So we'll, we'll give you both of them at this point. So, (laughs) so, you know, thank you so much for joining me. This was amazing. So tell everybody where they can find you and connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to find me is on Twitter. I post everything I got going on there. So follow me at twitter.com slash life W Panda. And like I said before, if you guys are looking to get into the casting commentating space and you have questions or you're not sure where to start, feel free shoot me a dm i i'm looking at my dms constantly and answering everybody that shoots me messages so so you hear that panda says you hear that panda says you can slide into his dms with any questions so (laughs) make sure to follow him and 
you know, thanks everybody again for tuning in and make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q and check Apple podcast for all our past episodes.